Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Wow, thank you. Thank you so, so very much. It's, it's really good to be with you all. I mean, it's an extreme privilege for me. You know, Ron and Teddy and my wife and I have, have literally so much in common. First off, our hearts beat in unison for the same kinds of people. Ron and Teddy have a deep desire for people to literally meet Jesus and then grow up and become like him. Sue and I have given our lives for that very same goal all these years. So a little bit of background um, that Ron couldn't fill in the gaps of. Sue and I actually planted the Crossing Church in uh, what we call Newport Mesa area of Southern California. What we do out there is we combine Newport Beach and Costa Mesa and we make it like one word. And I planted that church and, and in, the, in the September of 1988. The slogan for our church from day one was, we want to help people who are saying no to God say yes to him, yes to his son, Jesus Christ. And over the years, we were able to introduce tons of people to Jesus. As a result, get this, 41% of the people who attended the crossing would say that the crossing was their very first church that they ever attended. We, we became known as the rock and roll church. We, we at times were called the biker church. We've also been called the recovery church to this very day. We'll see anywhere between 300 to 400 to 500 people on a Friday night at our Lifelines Recovery Ministry. Now, I'm no longer the pastor of the church. On the church's 30th anniversary, I handed over the reins of leadership to an incredible young leader. But what you need to know is Sue and I continue to attend that church. We give to that church. We serve in the church. And just like Ron and Teddy love you and this church, Sue and I continue to love on the people of the Newport Mesa area. Now, yeah, in this chapter of my life, wow, I get the privilege of serving and coaching and encouraging church planters with an organization called Stadia that Ron mentioned. And here's the truth, though. Even though God allowed me to, like, start and stay and grow a church over 30 years, what you need to know about me is... I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But literally, I do stand on the shoulders of countless numbers of people who poured wisdom into me. That's why my desire these days is literally to pay it back or to pay it forward to young men and women who are starting new works. In fact, I'd like you all to participate with me right now in doing something, okay? I want you to join me. So whatever might be in your hands, put it down. Put it down. And what I'd like you to do is I want everybody right now to take your right hand and your left hand and bring them together like this. Now keep it there. See, some say Justin Bieber started this. Others say, no, it was Taylor Swift who started this. Um, did you know that Apple and Google have actually made official emojis now with their lineup of emojis? Pro baseball players, when they hit a home run at home plate, they do this. NFL football players, we've seen it all over the news lately, right? And the internet, players are doing this. Here's why I ask you to do this. I want you to think about hearts today. You, you can put them down, okay? <laughs> I want you to think about hearts today. 
See, first I want you to know that my heart is grateful for your heart. Church at the Springs, you need to know that my heart is exceedingly grateful for your hearts. There's no church in America that I know of who has as big a heart as you do to encourage the hearts of church planters. Because of you, Church at the Springs, there are brand new churches that are being led by men and young men and young women in New York City, in the state of Washington, in Utah, in California, Ohio, South Carolina, Illinois, Tennessee, Georgia, Colorado, in Arizona and Virginia and Michigan. I could go on more state after state. And why I'm so excited to be with you is today I finally get to say thank you to you. Thank you for your praying hearts. Thank you for your giving hearts. Thank you for your encouraging hearts. Church at the Springs, you need to know your hearts are changing hearts all over this country of ours. And Ron and Teddy, you must know that I will for always be grateful for your heart, for the love of new church starters. God has used like your big hearts to start a movement of God in this church throughout this region of Ocala, Florida. And because of your hearts and the hearts, that, that means that the hearts of countless numbers of men and women and boys and girls, they've literally been changed for all of eternity. And now in cities all over this country, you guys are having an effect. See, see, here's what I think sometimes. What would have happened if Tim and Sue Selleck wouldn't have said yes to allowing God to break our hearts for the people of the Newport Mesa area of Southern California? And I think, what would have happened if Ron and Teddy Sylvia wouldn't have said yes to allowing God to break their hearts for the people of this area? Because quite possibly, your family, your marriage, your finances, your job, your friendships, they're better because Ron and Teddy said yes. And now, this is what's, you're making it better for others. Your entire church is changing hearts all over the United States through church planters that you're encouraging. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I just want to tell you that. And let, let me pray. Could you join me in prayer as I kick off my message this morning? God, my prayer would be is that my words would be your word. And that you would move me out of the way so that people could see as well as hear from you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a good storybook always starts with the words, once upon a time. And today at the beginning of this message, I'd like to share a story. My story. Once upon a time, there was a young man named Tim. And his heart was changed because of an encounter with Jesus through a man named Mike. This story takes place in the summer before his senior year of high school. Unlike some of you, he didn't grow up in an incredible church environment like the Springs. Back then, the only Bible verse he really knew was the one that he would see on TV at sporting events. Some of you here, you're old enough to remember the guy with crazy rainbow hair and the sign that said John 3.16. Well, on this particular day, Mike took out his leather-bound Bible and he read this verse. He said to Tim, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one 
and only son. That's where I'll, I'll interrupt just being in a different person pronoun. You know, th- obviously at the time, I didn't have kids, but I thought to myself, if I did, I wouldn't give up one of my kids for one person, let alone for the entire world. With Mike reading that verse, it was the beginning of me understanding just how much God loved me. And since I was a question asker, I asked Mike, what, what was God's one and only son sent here to this earth to do? So in his big Bible, he, he went from the book of John back a book to, to the book of Luke in, in Luke 19, chapter verse 10, which has since become one of my top three all-time life verses. But this time, this time, he, he asked me as he handed me his Bible to read it out loud. And here's what it said. It says, the son of man, that is Jesus, came to seek and save those who were lost. And then right in the moment, after I read those words, he took the Bible out of my hands and he flipped back just like two pages and and he was doing this to help me meet Jesus. And, And he said to me, Tim, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're the kind of person that Jesus hung out with. And then he read... He read Luke 15, 1 through 3. By this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. And I remember stopping him right then and there as a high schooler saying, so you think I have a questionable reputation? And he said, well, you tell me based on what you've confided in me over these past few days. What do you think? And I just hung my head and I said, I guess I'd agree. He went on to read, he went on to read, the Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased, they growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treated them like old friends. Well, it says here, their grumbling triggered this story. So on that day, he handed the Bible now back to me and and he asked me to read some of those stories out loud to him. And in Luke 19, verse 4, or 15, verse 4, it says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And in Luke 15, verse 8, it says this, Or suppose a a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp, sweep the entire house, and search carefully until she finds it? And then right then, Mike's eyes pierced right through me as he looked at me and said, Tim, did you ever think you're the one that Jesus is searching for? And then he took me back to John 3.16, and he read the whole verse this time to me. And here's what it says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And at that point, he paused. He looked right me in the eyes, and he asked, Tim, would you like to put your belief in Jesus and experience everlasting life. And I said, yes, I would. And I did through a very simple prayer. See, Church at the Springs, we're in a series called One at a Time. I got to ask you right at the outset of this, who is your one? Who is your one? See, ones are a big deal to God. God has always been a one at a time God. 
I'm going to say that again. God has always been a one at a time God. After all, he gave us his one son and everyone who believes in him will have everlasting life. <laughs> Three dog night. Some of you don't even know who that group is. Three dog night used to sing a song called one is the loneliest number. But to God, one is the most important number. Because if you have 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, won't you leave the 99 and go and search for the one? Or if you have 10 really highly valuable coins and you lose one, won't you search carefully until you find it? See, that day in the summer of 1976, that was one big day for me. And soon after, I remember as a newer Christ follower, I actually started to attend a, a church and a Bible study group. And there was this phrase that people would pray often as they would pray their prayers in that group. And this is what it said. God, I pray, break my heart for what breaks your heart. And, and I remember thinking as a, a brand new follower of Jesus, I, I wonder what breaks God's heart. And of course, now I know it's the one. It's lost ones. People who haven't as of yet established a relationship with Jesus. And years ago, I'm telling you, I felt a small sample of what God must feel like to, to um, have lost kids. See, we took our then eight-year-old and six-year-old daughters to Disneyland, not Disney World. And we were coming out of Frontierland, and there was this parade that was going on down Main Street. And the kids could see it. And with childlike excitement, they asked if they could go see the parade. And without even thinking as parents, we said, yes, go. So we watched them as they made their way. Their little bodies slid through the crowd and out, we thought, out under the curb. We had our eyes focused on them. But what happened next, we hadn't planned for. What we didn't know, because this was our first time to Disneyland, that this was the end of the parade at this particular area of Main Street. Do you know what happens when a popular parade lets out at Disney? Thousands of people scatter everywhere. It's just a sea of people, hundreds, thousands. And just as our kids, eight and six, made their way to the curb front, the parade lets out. And we thought we knew exactly where it was they went into the crowd. But now we couldn't find them. And immediately in this wave of people, they're caught up and they're lost. We started looking all over Main Street. I didn't see them. I started thinking, don't freak out, Tim. They're here. I looked that way. No kids. I looked that way. No kids. It had now been over five minutes since we'd seen our kids. I continued to look. I started screaming their names. Emily! Lauren! Soon it was over 10 minutes. I, I literally started freaking out, like hyperventilating, freaking out. I stood on a bench at Main Street so I could see over the crowd. They were not there. My heart is racing. My, my head is pounding. I wanted to die. It had now been what seemed like 15 minutes. Sue and I finally found each other, and she didn't have the kids. And neither did I. So I started screaming at her, how could you have said yes to our kids? This is all your fault. Which wasn't the best thing to do in that situation. Right then, Sue said, well, let's go back to where we last saw them. Maybe they'll go back there. So we went back to where we last saw them at the exit of Frontierland, and there were our two little girls standing all by themselves, sobbing. When they saw us, they ran. When we saw them, 
we ran. They leaped into our arms and we just held them so tight. And suddenly I realized what I had experienced for a few brief moments must be somewhat like God's existence, like in its entirety. When it comes to God's heart, God's heart breaks for lost men and lost women and boys and girls. Can you imagine how frantic it must feel to be God? God sent his one son so that every one person who believes in him would no longer be lost. Can you imagine the pain God must feel? You see, a one at a time God would want us to pray that prayer. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. So do you? Do you ever pray this prayer before you go to work with your ones at the place you're employed? Do you ever pray this prayer before you go to your kids' athletic activities or, or in your drop-off zone at your kids' school and you stand with ones who are waiting or watching their kids? Do, do you ever pray this prayer when you see your ones in, in, in your neighborhood or in your condo complex? You see, let me tell you something. One at a time doesn't happen unless my heart breaks, unless your heart breaks. Your heart breaks for your lost neighbor, your lost coworker, your lost family member, your lost friend. God is a one at a time God. And according to Jesus, when you lose something that really matters, you go on an all out search for it. However, you won't go, I won't go, unless your heart breaks for people. So today, there's a choice to be made. It's your choice. It's my choice. We either do it or we don't. There's no gray area. That's why God has placed ones all around us. So let me ask you the question again. Who is your one in your social world, in your work world, in your family world? I want you to get their faces on the front of your mind. Put the name, their names inside your head. Now, I, I know immediately what some of you are probably thinking. You're thinking, so what, like, what do I say to them? What do I do with them? Because you're probably thinking, I'm, I'm not a preacher like you, Tim. I'm, I'm not at all like Pastor Ron. Hey, neither was Mike. Mike simply followed the time-tested approach of Jesus. Now, Ron has already mentioned this guy of Jesus' encounter with one of his ones. The, the man I'm going to talk about is a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, some of you are church-going people, so you're familiar with his story. Others of you, perhaps you're sort of new to the Bible or new to church, and you may not know the story. And by the way, if that's you here this weekend, I just want to say we are so grateful and honored to have you here. Thank you for making a part of your Sunday some time with us here at the Springs. We really appreciate you. It's a pleasure to have you. In fact, some, some of you church people know there was a song that churches made up about this guy. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. I'll stop right there. 
this is a true story. Luke 19, it starts this way in verse 1. Look at it. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, Jericho was a town that Jesus was passing through on his way to the capital city of Israel, which is Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where Jesus was going to lose his life so that you might be found. Jesus entered Jericho. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and, and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, Zacchaeus, a couple of those things, for those of you who may not know much about the Bible, you, you've heard Ron talk about him a time or two. A tax collector in Jesus' day was a person with a questionable reputation. They were seen as traitors because they were people who betrayed their own nation. Now, Zacchaeus is a powerful man. He's a rich man. He got that way by stealing the assets of his Jewish neighbors and the Jewish people. Not only is he a very rich man, he's a very tiny man. When I think of Zacchaeus, I think of Danny DeVito, okay? For some of you that are younger than me, you might think Kevin Hart. I want you to see Zacchaeus today. Do you, you got to get him in your mind. By the way, Z Zacchaeus in this story, Zacchaeus represents you. And Zacchaeus represents me. And now here comes Jesus and there's this huge crowd, but he can't see over the crowd because he's a little guy, but he really wants to see. So he climbs a tree. How many of you here used to climb trees when you were younger? I mean, I mean, this is so awesome of a story because just the thought of Danny DeVito climbing a tree is pretty cool, right? Anyway, okay, and then Jesus passes by. And the question is, what is Jesus going to do with Zacchaeus? How will he respond? Well, the same way Mike did with me all those years ago. Same thing you can do with your ones where you live, work, and play. Luke 19.5 says, look what happens. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hey, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Lots of other people passed by that tree, but they didn't stop. They didn't see. Maybe they didn't stop because they didn't want to stop. Maybe they didn't see him because they didn't want to see him. See, what you have to understand here today, this is a bold situation. Why? Because no one wanted to stop and see Zacchaeus. He's one of the ones with a questionable reputation. And when people saw him, they saw someone that betrayed them, hurt them, screwed them over. With Zacchaeus, Jesus, as you'll see, follows a time-tested process. And the first step in the time-tested process is you got to stop your life's parade long enough to actually see the ones around you. We get so busy going here, going there. We don't see the people that God has put around us. And then number two, once you stop and you see the ones around you, you got to get personal with them, relational with them, social with them. See, Jesus looks up into the tree and this is a scene that is pregnant with tension. 
A huge crowd is all around them. And he looks up in the tree and there's Zacchaeus. And here's what he does. Don't miss this. He calls Zacchaeus by name. It's really important. We don't know how he knew Zacchaeus' name. I surely don't know. Maybe Zacchaeus was so notorious that everybody kind of knew his name. But Jesus sees him and says, Zacchaeus. Hey, people of the springs. Jesus always does this. He's always calling people out by name. The summer before my senior year in high school, he called for me by name. Tim. And he changed my heart and he changed my life. Yes, there are billions of people on this planet. But the Bible says he knows every one of your names. Every day of your life and every hair on your head. Now granted for God, that's not tough for some of us, okay? Okay? And Jesus still calls us by name. And as you sit here today, for some of you, you know the truth about you, you've not as of yet put your belief in Jesus. Today is your day. Today Jesus is calling you by name. He's calling you to know him. And when Jesus calls this guy, Zacchaeus, he's calling him to a life of friendship. And he does it openly and he does it publicly. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Now, some of us might think that's a little too forward for our culture here in Florida. Well, hey, why don't you invite somebody out to coffee? Invite them over to your house for your Super Bowl party. Go on a run with them. Say, let's go watch a movie with them. Jesus is telling Zacchaeus, I want to be your friend. Because going to someone's house and having a meal with them in that culture, that was an act of friendship. How many people do you think had gone to Zacchaeus' house for dinner? Not a lot. I think the dude ate well, but he ate alone. See, Jesus does this in front of a whole crowd. In our day, here's what he would have done. He would have literally, Jesus would have taken a selfie and said, I'm going to this guy's house for dinner today. There's no way anyone would do that with Zacchaeus. Why? Because it's not a popular thing to be friends with Zacchaeus. If you're friends with Zacchaeus, you don't tell anyone. And Jesus is telling everyone, Zacchaeus, as of this moment, I'm going to your house and we're going to be friends. This is, this is astounding. This is what Jesus does for us, all of us. He sees us, he stops and sees us, and he gets personal with us. So who in your world? Who in your work? Who in your neighborhood do you need to stop and see and become friends with, get social with? Look at, look at Zacchaeus' response. Luke 19, verse 6, it says, So he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and received Jesus gladly. Zacchaeus' response is, Yes, Jesus, I'd love to be your friend. Let's go right now. Zacchaeus is so glad that Jesus would care about him. And in the moment, Zacchaeus receives the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. That's Zacchaeus' response. But look at the crowd. They're not posting on Facebook and Instagram. Yay! Zacchaeus is saved! He was once lost and now he's found. No. Look at it. Luke 19.7. It says, all the people saw this. 
And they began to say this word out loud. Began to what? Mutter. Jesus has gone to, gone to be the guest of a sinner. That means they're talking about Zacchaeus, but not to Zacchaeus. They're talking about Jesus, but not to Jesus. They're gossiping, grumbling, griping. And let me say this. This is common whenever God moves. But please, please, don't let it stop you from being around your ones. I've seen it from years in my own life, from those who call themselves Christ followers, Christians. Oh, there's Tim again. Look who he's hanging out with. Did you hear? He joined a biker club. Not a Christian biker club. What do people say to Jesus? He's the guest of a sinner. Remember when I said a few moments ago, Zacchaeus' story is my story and Zacchaeus' story is your story? You know what motivates us to be a one-at-a-time people? Is to know that in the sight of God, we're all guilty. We're all sinners. You are, I am. That God would call any of us, love on any of us, forgive any of us. That's the real miracle. See, from Zacchaeus, we get so much hope and encouragement. So today, I'm just going to say this. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus calls out to you, and he's welcoming you to be his friend. Will you believe in Jesus today? That's exactly what Jesus does for Zacchaeus. Look at Luke 19.9. Luke 19.9, it says this. Jesus said to him, salvation has come to this home today. And then we have that verse. It's actually in this story. One of my three of my life's greatest verses. Look at it. Luke 19.10. It says this. It says, the son of man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save those who were lost. See, at one point, at one point, that was me. And if today you call yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, at one point that was you. You were once lost. But now it's my turn to go. It's your turn to go. For, for, for your one, for my one. So I got to ask you again, got to ask you again, who is your one? In fact, right now, would you take your hands? Do this again, everybody. Everybody, in the, everybody, everybody do it. Everybody do it. Come on, everybody do it. And as you got your hands like this, I want you to all pray this with me together out loud. Let's do it together out loud. Jesus, Jesus, hold on, put it on the screen, guys. Jesus, say it with me. Jesus, break my heart for what breaks your heart. Let that be your prayer as you leave this place today. Let's all pray. There's no doubt to me that in this audience today, there are some of you who were like I once was all those years ago. You not has of not yet put your belief in Jesus. It is no accident, my friend, that you are here today. Jesus is calling out your name. And just like Mike asked me that question today, would you like to put your belief in Jesus and experience everlasting life? And on that day, all those years ago, I said yes and prayed a very simple prayer. I ask you today the very same question. Would you like to put your belief in Jesus 
and experience everlasting life. And if you've not ever made that decision and you'd like to make that choice right now, I'm going to ask you to do something. Everybody's head's bowed and everybody's eyes are closed. Would you just raise your hand right now if you'd like to make that statement? Just raise your hand nice and nice so I can see it. Say, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to put my belief in Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you in the back. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Would you pray with me the same prayer I prayed all those years ago? Right now where you sit, just say, Jesus, I place my belief in you. I admit to you this day that I am a person with a questionable reputation. And today, I admit I am a sinner. I ask you, just pray this right now, just say it. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And today, January 29th, I place my trust in you, Jesus. Now, just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer and so many hands went up, if you just did, just know that right now there is a party going on in heaven for you. All the angels are celebrating that choice and decision you just made. There's a second group of us here today. There's a group of us like me at this point who have already made that choice and decision. So I've got to ask you today, who's your one? And does your heart really break? For that person at work, person in your neighborhood, that person in your family, some of the folks that you do friendship with. I'd like to pray for you. God, I pray that as an active response out of this weekend's message, that we would engage those that are in our world who are our ones. We'd slow our life down to have conversations over coffee or meals in our home or theirs. That we'd find ourselves socializing, encouraging, and praying for those who, as of yet, haven't put their belief in you, Jesus. And God, my prayer would be for the people of the Springs that in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead, that those people who are our ones, that we'll bring them and they'll sit next to us. Hearing Jesus around us so that one day we could celebrate them being found. I ask this, Jesus, for all of us in this room today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. 
If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.